Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Coronavirus is terrible. The next one could be much deadlier, much more disruptive. If China hasn't allowed for a full, clear, transparent investigation as to how this thing started, we start sanctioning. Look what's going on in Portland, for example. Shootings are up over 100%. Murders are up 566%. We need to refund police, not defund them. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is Tuesday. Speaking of shootings, so uh, we signed into law Juneteenth, and uh, last weekend there was all kinds of celebrations and all kinds of shootings, by the way. Uh, South Carolina, California, Colorado, North Carolina, Michigan, uh, over in Raleigh, we had some shooting. All those, all those areas, Clover, South Carolina, people got shot. Uh, Juneteenth celebration in Oakland, Cal. Well, they're always getting shot in Oakland, California. I guess that doesn't really, that's not really significant, is it? Well, uh, you know, uh, that happens a lot. But I just read this morning that uh, Durham has had their fourth uh, homicide in five days. Asheville has had four homicides downtown this year, which is you know a lot for Asheville. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we while we worry about monuments and um, people are getting shot. People getting Juneteenth, shot. the holiday to celebrate the day when Republicans freed the Democrat slaves. It's the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's the truth. Uh, well, so speaking of shootings, a former member of the Obama task force was on MSNBC, shooting off at the mouth, shooting off at the mouth, <laughs> claiming uh, her name is Brittany. Hacknett Cunningham, Brittany Cunningham. And she is claiming that the defending, the defunding of the police has nothing to do with the spike in uh, the shootings, crime and everything else. Cut one. I think that there are a lot of police unions and GOP operatives that would like for us to believe that this recent crime wave has everything to do with this idea of defunding the police. But guess what, Stephanie? The police haven't been defunded. You actually look at the 50 largest cities' law enforcement spending as a share of the general expenditure in each of those cities actually rose slightly from 13.6% to 13.7%. And many of the cities that have talked about removing that money, like Minneapolis, in Seattle, they've actually paused or slowed how they were thinking about moving that money. So this rising crime is not the fault of the movement. It's actually the fault of the police. And this has been our point all along. Unbelievable. What an idiot. Now, if you listen to the whole thing, you got to look at the fine print. She said that they've had their funding increased since 2020. Mm -hmm. Well, she's partially correct. They've increased it since 2020. It, it's gone up in 2021 because in 2020 they it, it was decimated. Yeah, could it possibly be the fact that uh, in you know since last March or last May that crime has like exploded? You've paid cops overtime. You've got a pandemic going on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, well. and plus, I, I'd like to know those numbers. Let's see those numbers. You know, figures lie and liars figure. I mean, what's the cut? Like what's the cutoff? That was my, one of my granddads. I had to give him credit for it. God rest his soul. But uh, what's the cutoff of those? To your point, what's the cutoff? I mean, well, you can look, take a snapshot in time and look at point one percent change. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and look, yeah, and you got to look at the whole package. I mean, they have defunded the police. They've also demoralized the police. 
they've allowed gang members to freely come across the border. Um, all these, uh, you know, this the same ilk, the same people that are are, are the, the, just as this woman. And by the way, her comments right there do demoralize the police. That's part mm. of the problem. Oh, yeah. uh, retirements and uh, resignations are at an all-time high. The New York Times, no conservative publication. Quote from the New York Times, a survey of about 200 police departments indicates that retirements are up by 45 percent. Resignations are up by 18 percent between April 2020 and April 2021 as compared to the previous year. I didn't hear this from her, but but just listening to this, the one thing I picked up on, she talked about the police unions. When have you heard a liberal or a Democrat say something negative about about a kind of union? Yeah. Guess when? The, for the first time, police unions all over the United States supported Donald Trump yeah. instead of a Democrat. You're right. That's, that's their problem with it. Yeah. So these same lame brains are the ones that want to allow the felons uh, out of jail with no, no bail. And, we're, we're, and they want you know, to take the right for legal uh, law-abiding citizens to defend themselves with having a, a weapon to defend themselves. And uh, yet this genius tells us it has nothing to do with defunding the police. And these idiots at MSNBC, they just sit there and shake their head, nodding in agreement, big smile on their face. Oh, we're so smart. We're so wise. They're like a bunch of clapping seals at SeaWorld when you're trying to throw them the fish, you know. <laughs> they just, whatever comes out of their mouth, they just sit there and nod and clap. By the way, the George Costanza of CNN. <laughs> Brian Stelter. Yes. Brian Stelter, first of all, he, he's just an unpleasant person to watch. I mean, he just comes across as a creep. I, I want to know. He he obviously has some pictures of some major CNN executive, executive because how barnyard the, pictures. How in the heck? How, how does he, he stay on? How does he stay on with the ratings there, he's got? There's nothing pleasant about the guy, and his ratings stink. We probably have more. I mean, listen on on a percentage basis, considering he covers the entire United States, some 330 to 350 million people, and they reach up into Canada as well, and. Basically, his viewing audience is like uh, two tenths of one percent of the general population. I mean, it's it stinks. He <laughs> he had uh, considering this is a national broadcast. He, he had six hundred fifty six thousand viewers on Father's Day for his program, Reliable Sources. And I mean, and that's that's embarrassing. I mean, literally. Now, I mean, we're small market, Eastern North Carolina. We cover a lot of area, but we're, you know, we're not we're not major metro area. But you have radio stations in major metropolitan areas that have more listeners than this guy has viewers nationally. It's yeah, pathetic. I bet the curling ratings were higher than his. <laughs> <laughs> what's the guy? What's the guy? That, uh, he was at NBC, but he looks kind of like Brian Stelter. What's the other guy? I mean, same, you know, short, fat, bald guy that. Um, I'm I'm drawing a total blank. Yeah, you you know his name. I just uh, Brian Zucker. Yeah. Brian Zucker. I mean, they look a, well. <laughs> several months ago, I was watching watching those guys, and I just posted on Facebook a picture of those two guys and a picture of George Costanza on the couch. You know the you know <laughs> when he was in his underwear on the couch, 
and Facebook blocked me. <laughs> Facebook blocked you? I already said, you know, something about it was uh, false, not false and misleading information. Oh, brother. It, it was, um, anyways, like vulgar or something. <laughs> so I got in Facebook jail for a few hours. And, and, and CNN, I, I mean, they brought back this Jeffrey Tubin, Tobin. I mean, the guy that was... Master Tubin? Yeah. <laughs> He's the master of his domain, not. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, Seinfeld episodes. I mean, Seinfeld-isms here. You know, he's, the, he's not the master of his domain. You... I, I mean, listen, <laughs> if you wanted to create a... I mean, literally, they could come up with a comedy show based on CNN. <laughs> yeah. This is unbelievable. I mean, Jeffrey Tube. Look, I, I'm not gonna. If you don't know the story about Jeffrey T O O B I N, go Google it. He got frisky with himself in a Zoom meeting and forgot to turn the camera off. Pretty much is it, right? That's that, well. That's exactly it. <laughs> that is the big red flag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The I'd big say red, so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna drop that. Right. Um, Carolina Journal uh, did a really good article. Uh, you got to get this article and put it on our Facebook page, uh, Clark. Um, it's the lead story in the Carolina Journal this afternoon concerning the Senate budget. It's a great article. A lot of detail. We can, in fact, it's so detailed we can't go through the whole thing. Um, it is a great budget. The Republicans have done a, a, the Republicans have done a masterful job. Uh, you know, I, I, the the highlight of this thing to me though is we have the state of North Carolina basically has a flat income tax, which is by the way going to go down in two uh, by twenty twenty six to three point nine nine percent. Yeah, that was a big surprise. That and and it's significantly lower. Than what? Um, that's you, not me. Significantly lower than what the Democrats had. I think the Democrats, when they were last in charge of the legislature, it was like at eight point five percent or Got something like that. Got as high as eight and a quarter percent. Eight and a quarter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet they're bringing in more money. Yeah. I mean, the money coming in is at an all time high. You know, people look at the federal budget and the federal deficit, and they say, "Well, gee, how can we? You know, we we can't have a flat tax on the federal level because we go broke." You know what? You've got a microcosm in these states, and the state of North Carolina is hitting it out of the park. Now, granted, we're a growth state, but one of the reasons we're a growth state is because we have good economic policy. We're growing not because we're a, a, a state of liberals. When the liberals in charge, we didn't have the growth that we're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's really interesting for um, Eastern North Carolina, particularly uh, East Carolina University and the School of Medicine, um, in this new budget, now they've got capital infrastructure. We talked a little bit about this um, yesterday. Long and short of it is in this new budget, in the first year, the Brody School of Medicine would be funded $76 million total <coughs> authorization for the new Brody School of Medicine building would be $215 million. That is in this budget. Uh, there's a lot of other good things in there. There's a 7% raise for correction officers, 3% raise for teachers and state workers over the two years. And, and I'm assuming that is that 1.5% per year or 3% per year? I think it's 1.5% each okay. year. Uh, for, for two years. <clears throat> yep. mm-hmm. uh, plus, plus the bonuses. And the... The, the interesting thing is, uh, while they're doing this, they're lowering the taxes on on families, and y- your average family 
average family of four that's making under $50,000, if they're going to pay anything, it's not going to be much. And uh, when you, you know, the, an individual making under 25000 basically is not going to be paying anything. So it is, um, it is very, and again, people are going to say, you know, what, what, about, the, what about the people that, uh, you know, you're, you're helping out corporations, you're not helping out the little guy. No, you're helping out the little guy big time. So uh, this is this is a uh, this is a good uh, a good job by the Republicans. The problem is, I guarantee you, it's going to be vetoed by the governor oh, yeah. once again. Mm-hmm. Once again, it's going to be vetoed by the governor. And once again, you're going to have you know the North Carolina Association of Educators. They're going to get up and they're going to start complaining that they never get any raises. Look, if you would have forced the the governor. To sign these budgets, how many raises would have you had by now? Mm, a lot. About 8%, I think. Um. <laughs> There's not too many other people I know that it would have. And yet you're, you'll still, good lemmings will follow the uh, governor right off the cliff. But, you know, speaking of the budget and media bias, I was just kind of curious after reading this on Carolina Journal last night or this morning whenever I read it, um, said, what what do the other folks have to say about this? <laughs> so I went over to WREL, a little article by Laura Leslie here, the oh, Capitol Bureau one, chief. One of my favorites. And she opens her opening uh, paragraph, and this says, State Senate leaders rolled out a $25.7 billion spending proposal Monday, saying they prefer to invest in deeper tax cuts rather than larger raises for teachers and state employees. Unbelievable. Now, that's journalism for you in America yeah, today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. And again, lower tax. Since they've gotten in, since the, the, the Republicans have taken over, and of course we had even more so when McCrory was in there, but since the Republicans have taken over the state legislature, each budget, the taxes have come down. And guess what? Revenues have gone up. It's, it's and, and you know, obviously you can't take it down to zero and see revenues go up. But as you energize the people, as people make more money, as more companies come in, as more people are excited about doing business, revenues go up. Yeah, the uh, executive director for the State Employees Association of North Carolina, like I really you know, care what she says about anything, but she said about the budget, <laughs> there is no excuse to be stingy this year. The State Employees Association is totally perplexed why the state proposed insignificant raises and shutting out retirees when the state is drowning in money. Okay, what's important about that statement? The state is drowning in money. Whose money is it that they're drowning in? Bingo. Yeah, they've got some federal money that came from the taxpayers that that actually— you know, it's borrowed and, and, and digitally created up in Washington. But, but the money that the state is um, increasing in their budget with revenues, that's the state's money. That's the individual's money. It's not yeah. Raleigh's money. Yeah, yeah. That's, but that's, that's the way Democrats think. And, and by the way, while you are enjoying um, tax cuts here, because we, we have a responsible North Carolina legislature, at least most of them are, uh, over in California, they have run a what malfeasance is the word mm. to use, <laughs> and yeah, that's where our vice president Nancy is from. Pelosi, San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. Um, the Blaze is reporting taxpayers through your federal tax money because you're paying federal taxes. You know, you're, you're not getting the breaks on your federal taxes that you are on your state taxes, 
And where is that money going to go? Well, a lot of it is going to go to the state of California. According to the Associated Press, California has a $5.2 billion to pay off. This is federal money that they've gotten. It wasn't from their own people. This is federal dollars. They've gotten this money, and they're going to pay off people's rent. And now the governor out there not only wants to pay off the rent that is owed, but he also wants to pay off unpaid utility bills. Mm. And the, the rationale is, oh, well, you know, these people had to stay home because of COVID. Therefore, they couldn't pay their bills. Therefore, we need to bail them out. Now, I, I, again, I'm not saying that all the, the people that are in trouble are in trouble because of irresponsibility. There are some cases where the COVID truly did put them in a bind. But once again, this is an example of those people who were prudent and didn't spend their money just to get every little toy that they wanted. And look, I, I, understand, I understand there are people that live paycheck to paycheck. I'm not talking about them. But the people that lived irresponsibly and spent all their money, um, they're getting a free get-out-of-jail card. Mm -hmm. The people that were prudent, thoughtful, reserved, careful with the, the, their pennies and their dollars, they basically got screwed. Yeah. And not to mention, uh, in states like California, Illinois, New York, Connecticut, just to name the, the, probably the top four, also in the federal pandemic dollars that nobody really talks about because they don't understand it, was bailouts for not only government pensions, for unfunded pensions in right. these states, right. but also uh, unfunded pensions of unions that is backed through the Bene Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. Yep. That's that's a little dirty little secret that nobody talks about. Yep. They don't know about it because it's kind of complicated. But the bottom line is our federal tax dollars, this pandemic money, went to bail out union pensions, yep. period. When when you hear Joe Biden talk about and play the violin for how this you know is just helping out the poor people that suffered under covid uh, at the top of the list is are the are the unions and the pensions that these states, again irresponsibly, say, oh we're we're going to take care of that. Yeah, well, you know they were so far in debt in certain states, and California's leading the parade. By the way, <laughs> this has actually been in my pile of stories for about a week now. Um, remember when legalized marijuana was going to be the goose that laid the golden egg, mm. and that. Sort of like the lottery. The lottery, exactly. Yeah. Exactly like the lottery. That We've got the lottery, and so now we'll never have to worry about another financial issue. We've got legalized marijuana, recreational marijuana. We never have to worry about another issue. We'll tax this marijuana, and we'll just be— Pass the doobie, right? Yeah. <laughs> pass the doobie and pass the buck. And we just, we'll have so much money, we don't want to do with it. The California legislature a week ago Monday approved a $100 million plan— to bail out the struggling legal marijuana industry. Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. Mm. It's unbelievable. Only the government could get into <laughs> drugs and screw it up and, screw it up and <laughs> yeah. bankrupt it. But that's, that's how the government operates. I would like to go through the list of, in, in California, any other state like that, the list of wh whatever they call this commission or whatever, just go through the list of names up in the hierarchies and just— and just follow back, follow the money, and see where why they got that position and that cushy job. Bingo. I, I don't even have to look at it, and I can tell you the results. Bingo. We're going to take a time out. Stay with us. More to come.
Join the show. 252-561-TALK. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Chance of showers tonight. Uh, 80% chance of uh, rain is such that we could get anywhere from a half inch to three quarters of an inch of rain overnight tonight. Yeah. Good news is tomorrow we'll see the sun come back out. It's going to be cool. Very pleasant. High of 76 tomorrow and uh, tomorrow night uh, partly cloudy with a low around 61. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, full-service dining, an outdoor pool, and tennis, and more. Our newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. For a limited time, join Ironwood. Pay zero initiation fee. Call 252-752-4653. Find out what makes Ironwood the best of Greenville. 252-752-4653. Be a part of the best Ironwood Golf and Country Club. The Des Moines Register has done a new poll, and Joe Biden's numbers, not surprising, are not good. More Iowans disapprove of Biden's uh, job performance than approve. Biden has a 43% approval rating and a 52% disapproval rating, according to a recent Des Moines Register Media Com Iowa poll. 5% said they're not sure. Uh, Vice President Harris, pretty much similar numbers. 50% expressed disapproval uh, compared to 42 who approved. It would really be interesting. I should have looked this up, but um, it, it didn't say how that compared to Donald Trump this far into his presidency. I can't imagine that, uh, you know, the media loved to mention every time Donald Trump's approval went in the wrong direction that, that that would be the headline, not so much when Joe Biden is in there. But I can't I, I can't think that that Donald Trump was any worse than where Joe Biden is right now. And I, I would think he was a little bit better at this point. We would only been a few months into his presidency. But uh, Joe Biden is uh, managing to screw things up pretty, pretty royally. And how many days um, how many days has it been that Vice President Harris has not visited the border since she was appointed in charge of our border issue. <laughs> well, somebody sent me a meme today with her out in front of a on-the-border restaurant and uh, <laughs> saying, hey, I finally made it. What's the big deal? But uh, now it's been— Who has time to come up with all this stuff? I don't know. It's been uh, people that are locked down in COVID, I guess. Um, Got to be close to 100 days. Right? Yeah, close. Yeah. Got to be. So— we talked about the fact a few days ago, I guess it was last Friday, that the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops basically came out and um, the, the, the wording of this document is being developed as we speak. But in principle, the, the bishops of the Catholic Church, of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, overwhelmingly voted, I think it was like 77%, voted in favor of disciplining individuals like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden who go against canon law of the Catholic Church when it comes to things like marriage and abortion. Abortion. Mm -hmm. And, of course, abortion is is the big one, but uh, marriage as well. And it wasn't even close. I mean, it, you know, you, you, I, I, and it was a pleasant surprise. I, I thought if, you know, 60% voted for it, that would mean a lot. 70-some percent voted for it. 
Well, now Jared Huffman from California, representative from California, is accusing the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops of politically weaponizing religion by voting for this document. And he says if they're going to politically weaponize religion by rebuking Democrats who support women's reproductive choice, then a rebuke of their tax-exempt status may be in order. <laughs> so this guy is, because the Catholic, now look, the Catholic Church has not changed its stance on these issues. No. Mm -mm. I mean, they have been there for centuries. Centuries, yeah. And yet we have Catholics like Joe Biden, who just a few years ago, it's been a couple decades ago, voted for the Hyde Amendment. Mm-hmm. That's, and it was, it was a strong vocal proponent of the Hyde Amendment, which says no federal tax money will be used to pay for abortions in the United States. And, of course, you've got the Helms Amendment that says we're not going to use it for international abortions. Well, now Joe Biden is against both those amendments. So who changed? It wasn't the Catholic priest. Right. It was Joe Biden. And, and who injects religion and politics all the time? Joe, Joe Biden and Nancy, Nancy Pelosi constantly. constantly talking about how what great Catholics they yeah. are. And, you know, I, I'm not going to judge anyone, but someone that constantly tells me how great or whatever they are, yeah. they're probably trying to convince themselves first before they convince you how, how great a, a religious we, you person know, And they it's are. really interesting that you mentioned that. Because I was reading an article about Ron DeSantis, and he was speaking, uh, he was invited to speak at this gathering, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a gathering of, of, of Christians, some sort of Christian leadership conference. And I'm reading the article, and I'm saying, wow, this guy really must be a committed Christian. I didn't know that about him. Mm -hmm. Just from the comments he made mm -hmm. in, in his speech. And, and you know, it's really interesting that he, this guy, now, it doesn't shock me, because he got very conservative and I would say biblical principles. Right. So I wasn't shocked, but I didn't but, really know it because he doesn't wear it on a shirt sleeve. He don't wear it on a shirt sleeve and, and wear a you know a, a name tag that says, "Hey, I'm yeah, DeSantis Christian," like like Joe Biden does with the yeah, Catholic yeah, religion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, speaking of that, our lieutenant governor. He is getting a lot of <laughs> national face time. He, he was is. at this DeSantis event. Oh. Um, and I think I it's I think it's next weekend. Um, Candace Owens is having a an, a, a Brexit um, uh, meeting or not meeting, but a rally. You know, get people to leave the Democratic Party mm -hmm. down in Birmingham, Alabama. Featured speaker Mark, Mark Robinson. Robinson. Wow. Yeah. He was on Fox and Friends not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, he's, he's been on Fox yeah. and Friends. He's been on Sean Hannity. Uh, yeah, Sean Hannity. Who else? Uh, well, Glenn Beck. He's yeah. been on Glenn Beck. So Man. he's he's he, gone big time. And he all started right here in this room. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if he'll respond to a text. <laughs> you know, the truth of the matter, I bet he would. I bet he would. If if he if he was available, we that might during the break. Let's see if we can get him on. <laughs> um, by the way, speaking of um, the Catholic Church. And this guy's thought of, uh, well, let's, let's take away their tax-exempt sta status. Um, there was another story out in um, the IRS was wanting to—or there's a group of uh, Christians, a, a Christian group, I should say. See if I can find it here in my pile of goodies, who filed with the IRS. Yeah, here it is, out of Fox Business News. The IRS recently rejected a tax-exempt status request for a Texas-based Christian group— 
over its purported ties to the Republican Party. In a May letter addressed to, quote, the group called Christians Engaged, Stephen Martin, the IRS director of exempt organizations, said the group used Bible teachings typically affiliated with the Republican Party and candidates to educate individuals on how to vote. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, wait a minute. Uh, are you going to tell me that BLM doesn't tell their, their followers how to vote? And they got tax-exempt status. By teaching members, the article goes on, by teaching members about issues such as, quote, the sanctity of life, the definition of marriage, biblical justice, law versus lawlessness, freedom of speech, religious liberty, government and business ethics, human trafficking, fiscal responsibility in government, defense, borders and immigration, U.S. and Israeli relations, Martin said, this is the guy from the IRS, Martin said the group had, quote, engaged in prohibited campaign intervention. Mm-hmm. So basically what he is saying is, now he doesn't realize it, but he's giving this group a great compliment. Because basically what he's saying is, wait a minute, wait a minute, your biblical principles, um, they align too much with <laughs> to the, the Republican, Republican Party. Party platform. And so therefore, <laughs> we're not going to give you tax-exempt status. Yeah. You know, I know a thing or two about tax-exempt organizations and, and foundations, and I, I have experienced this with the IRS, <clears throat> particularly back in the Obama years. Well, and um, this is this is Obama 2.0. Yeah. But I'd like to ask this guy, well, how about right here in North Carolina, our own version of a uh, you know, human Mardi Gras float, as they talk, <laughs> as they t- as they talk about— Wee uh, Willie Barber. Wee Willie yeah. Barber. How about his tax-exempt status? Yeah. Uh. How about checking I'll into circle him? Circle back on that one. Yeah, on his moral Monday marches and all this sort of thing. Huh. Oh, well, let's see. Let's open up his books. Why don't you? Why don't you open up the books of the Clinton Foundation? I've actually reviewed the Clinton Foundation 990 back in um, back during the when Clinton when Hillary Clinton was running for office, and I'm not going to make any accusations, but I know what I'm talking about. They should be audited. <laughs> Were they audited? I don't know. Well, they should be how, how about Big Al Sharpton, the formerly yeah. Big Al Sharpton? I mean, why don't you just go ahead and press charges against Al? Yeah. If it was you or I, we'd be in jail. <laughs> or at least all of our worldly goods would have been confiscated, at least. But you know, during the Obama administration when you know, uh, conservatives were making threats that, hey, they were, they were being treated unfairly by the IRS on the tax-exempt side, right. I experienced it with organizations. It was fact. And, I, of course, I, I, I won on the cases, but uh, it, it was obvious they were against conservative groups. Well, Obama 2.0 is happening again. Stay with us. We'll be right back. and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. Tom and Benny and Clark and Shelton Whitehouse is one of the most obnoxious liberals in the Senate. <laughs> yeah. And, boy, he is—of course, this is—I I, I didn't get this yesterday. We ran out of time. But uh, this guy, who is just an arrogant liberal, hypocrite, 
he has not denounced, nor has he quit, a rather super exclusive beach club that his family belongs to. And a number of people have said that this club is basically an all-white club. Mm -hmm. Blacks need not apply. Jews need not apply. Now, there have been some other voices coming in, but a number of credible folks said, no, there's no blacks at this club. Uh, White House last week refused to apologize for his family's membership in a reportedly all-white beach club. This out of Fox News uh, in his home state of Rhode Island, calling beach clubs a long tradition and saying he hopes the club will admit minority members soon. Uh, well, Senator, the KKK has a long tradition. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't exactly make it right. Um, Can you imagine if a Republican, uh, let's just say, you'd have to, I don't know, Tom You Tillis. would have to resign from oh, office. Oh, yeah, you would. Mm-hmm. They would hound him until the day he resigned from office. What's this guy's name again? White House. White Shelton House. White House. White House. If he was Republican, he'd have to change his name if his name was White House. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's the truth. Um, this guy's an arrogant hypocrite. Arse. Yeah. Uh, just put kindly. Um, yeah. But, hey, he, he, I bet this will go away very quickly. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, again, if it was a Republican, a conservative, they would hound him until he quit, uh, had to resign from office. The... Um, it's raining outside, by yes, the way. I do, I do hear it coming down <laughs> here in, in Greenville. Uh, in 2017, White House told Go Local Prov, it would be nice if the membership changed a little, but that's not my position, talking of this beach club. So it's been four years, and you're still a member. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, well, I hope it changes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just saying it's... I read that article. I was thinking about this beach club. I was thinking about what was the what was the movie that came out in the eighties about the uh, the guy that worked at the beach club. Mm. Clark, so, y'all know this. You're getting to that age that you're, you're you got to be careful when you got bring CRS. things up. Yeah, yeah. got CRS. <laughs> <laughs> the Blaze is reporting, along with a lot of media outlets, and this is a silver lining to the woke progressive culture. Conservative America is waking up, and boy, they are ticked. A New Jersey school board has voted to reverse a previous decision. Their previous decision was, we're going to remove all the names from the holidays from our school calendar. Mm -hmm. Columbus Day, Veterans Day, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, of course, we probably dropped Easter a long time ago, right? That's called spring break now. But they're going to remove all the names. Martin Luther King, we're going to remove that too. And why? Well, we're going to remove it because there's always somebody complaining about something. So we're just going to remove all the names, and we're just going to call it days off. The teachers, or the school board, that was their decision. They reversed it a couple of nights ago because... The parents got up and let them have it. Good for them. I mean, it was a five-hour drag-out, get-down-in-the-dirt. Uh, and there, there was there's a, a petition out right now to remove the school board members. One of them resigned, right? One of the school board members I was thinking I read after the meeting. Well, I would not be surprised. 
But, um, you know, here's the interesting thing. So, so they come out and they say, you know, um, well, one, of the, one of the board members, Doreen Roach, said, if we don't have anything on the calendar, we don't have to have anyone with hurt feelings or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, that is such a wimp's way out, and it doesn't solve anything. And so instead of having some people mad at you, now everybody's mad at you. And when you try to appease liberals, you're going to hurt up and upset conservatives. And by the way, you're never going to appease liberal progressives no. mm -hmm. because they're always going to push you further and further and further. They uh, they don't want you just not agreeing with them. You have to agree with them or celebrate. They, you or have they to be in their camp or you they demonize you. Yeah, it's not it's not enough for a conservative to say, I don't agree with you, but I respect your opinion. Right. That is not enough for a They're not a libertarian. No. They, you've got no. to embrace what they want. Yep. One school board member, a guy named Ron Conti, said the decision to reverse the decision to remove the holiday names set an uncomfortable precedent. Quote, this sets an uncomfortable precedent that with enough threats, harassment, and intimidation, a select group, not necessarily Randolph voters, can force the district to its will. Wait just a minute. We've been calling Christmas Christmas, Easter Easter, uh, since the founding of our country. Mm -hmm. We've been calling Thanksgiving Thanksgiving since Abraham Lincoln. And your board, and Columbus Day, how long has that been around? And yet your board decides to eliminate those names and you say it's uncomfortable that the citizens made their voices heard. I find it a breath of fresh air. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you citizens getting involved, you, you, we think we have citizen-involved government. He's an elected position. Um, you think he would welcome that? Yep. And, of course, this is New Jersey. What is it? Uh, Loudoun County, Virginia, which I think is west. Uh, of, or just west, outside of D.C. Yeah, west of D.C., right. I guess. I mean, those parents are stepping up and yeah. really, yeah. really— uh, Going after the critical race theory. And, uh, yeah, and look, par parents, I, I know we're eastern North Carolina. I know we're more rural. I know this isn't New Jersey. I know all that. I know it's not Washington, D.C., but you better pay attention to what's going on in your county and uh, be involved with your school board. Because I promise up, you, yeah. stand up and, and be heard. know what's going on and be heard. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. I can't remember if it was Ted Cruz or Rand Paul or maybe Tom Cotton. <laughs> One of those concerns. I think it was Ted Cruz who, when we was talking about Joe Manchin, made a comment. I'm paraphrasing here that Joe Manchin loves to be viewed as this compassionate moderate but at the end of the day, he always caves and he always votes with the Democrats. Yep. And it's almost impossible to find a time where he actually followed through and voted with the Republicans. Well, if it was Ted Cruz or whoever it was, you got it right. The Washington Times this afternoon is reporting that the Democrats' sweeping election bill is still expected to die within hours but they did win a small victory. Why? Because Joe Manchin changed his mind and agreed to join his fellow Democrats in voting for a procedural measure to bring the measure to the floor. 
So this is the For the People's Act, which Republicans are expected to block, a top priority for Democrats from the left. Uh, But by getting the support of Mr. Manchin, who has been the caucus loan holdout, Democrats can now present a united front in supporting the bill, creating a contrast with Republicans whom they plan to bludgeon on the campaign trail over the measure. I don't see, I'll be honest with you, I think the Republicans are going to bludgeon the Democrats with this. But uh, Manchin, the holdout, caved. So, so basically, it's, it sounds like, if I'm understanding this correctly, this this will just allow it to go to the floor yes. for debate and yes. discussion. So the Democrats can get on the floor and grandstand and get the camera on on camera, really yes. sta- state thing that's not factual about the bill and basically politicize it. Right. Where they'll have Americans thinking, "Oh, those bad Republicans, they're oh, just yeah. trying to restrict us." So, oh, yeah. so that's the purpose of it. It's not going. Well, it needs 60 votes, and they're not yeah. going to get 60 votes. Mm. Um, what's interesting, though, is uh, Manchin says, Today I will vote yes to move to debate this updated voting legislation as a substitute amendment to ensure every eligible voter is able to cast their ballot and participate in this great democracy. Uh, yet it was not clear what the Democrats agreed to or what mm-hmm. Manchin agreed to. But, mm-hmm. yeah, everything I know is, is now wonderful. So uh, yes, maybe Joe, it was, <laughs> maybe agreed. Uh, his wife got a got a, a better appointment than what she got last March from Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how uh, that just happened to happen? She'll be the new uh, Joe Biden's new Secretary of Commerce or whatever. Well, I don't <laughs> think there's what is it? That's not there's not a Secretary of Commerce, is it? Uh, well, they might invent it. They might yeah. start it just for her. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I, well, I haven't even gotten to these stories on the transgender uh, Olympic Games. Uh, it's it, and, and I've had this in the past, and I keep getting more and more and more stories. Remember the swimmer, uh, swimmer Sharon Davies? Um, she has now come out and, and has again, said, along with a number of other female athletes, uh, both in the NCAA and, and, by the way, the Joe Biden administration, his DOJ, is going out of their way to fight state laws that protect women's sports. So you have these situations where you have biological males saying, I'm a female and therefore I'm going to compete. And now we have in New Zealand uh, a, a guy by the name of Laurel Hubbard who says he's a girl, says he's a woman, 46 years old, oldest uh, Olympian, uh, oldest person to qu- uh, qualify for the Olympics. And uh, he's going to be a weightlifter. And, man, you know, this is, this is just asinine. It's ridiculous. And Sharon, da- Sharon Davies just, uh, again, has come out and said, this is uh, uh, insane. And you talk about a war on women. This is where the war is being fought. I think this is going to backfire on the Democrats. I really I do. I hope so. But the NCAA, the Olympic Committee, you've got high schools, and now you've got the Biden administration all saying the same thing. Hey, we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.